Leadership development exists because none of us are perfect, fully realized people. We all have room for growth in our lives and we need help along the way. Hi, and welcome to Developing Imperfect Leaders. Because the last time I checked, we're not Jesus. This podcast is a project of the Leadership Development Institute at Hope Community Church intended to help you explore and grow your leadership skills for service both inside and outside the church. I'm your host, Paul Stiver, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Kaylin Larson. Hello. And Natty Severson. Hi there. All right. We're back into it. And this week we are going to be looking at a topic, a buzzword that we've used a number of times we're going to finally get into. But before we do, I'd love to hear fun fact about you. Kaylin, what is a fun fact about you? A fun fact about me is in high school, I was a foreign exchange student. That to is a Spain. fun fact. Yes. Yeah. It's almost this reminiscent is, of a, a fun fact you shared. Okay, I have another this one. Is so All right. fun. I thought I've been reco- I thought I was writing them down. Let's see. My other one was in high school. Uh oh, here we Uh-oh. go. You played hockey. Nope. Said that one too. <laughs> uh, my senior year of high school, a friend of mine, she like lived right across. Ooh, I have a, well, okay. I have a story to tell you later. A friend of mine. <laughs> just teasing a story that won't get told on the podcast. A friend of mine lived like right across the street from the high school. And so we walked to her house every day. We would microwave a bag of popcorn, grab a Diet Cokes, and then we would watch a handful of Friends episodes. And mm. so we got through, I mean, all this. Well, the finale hadn't aired at that point yet. So we were able to like catch up to then watch season 10 when it was live and then watch the finale. So these were like all on DVDs. They had all the DVDs. I'm assuming. Yeah, we had the, the, yeah, we had the DVDs. Not and, a Netflix in yeah. the sense of yeah. we know it now. Right? Yeah. This was the, um, during, was, during the day? No, it was oh. like after school. You're skipping? No, no skipping. But did you ever skip a class? Uh, that can be another fun fact. Oh, here we go. And you're not doing it now, though. Yeah, I can. Um, so our lunches were, like, we had A, B, C, D lunch. And I had A lunch one, like, Brutal. quarter semester. So you eat, like, really early. And all of my friends had B lunch. And so I had lunch, and then I'd have a whole, like, time of class where, like, B lunch, you had 15 minutes of class, lunch, and then the rest of your class. And so I would go to my class and have attendance taken, and then I would go to the nurse. And then I would sit at lunch for 15 minutes with my friends and then go back to class. Wow. How often was that? Uh, probably three or four of the days of the week. <laughs> oh my gosh. They didn't catch on to the fact that he you thought going to the that nurse? I had to go to the nurse to get meds. Oh my oh, gosh. You were a liar. You were a bo- I a didn't boy. lie. I never liar. told him why I was going to the nurse. He just, he like <laughs> oh made that oh. assumption. So you oh. just, so I was like, wow. sure. You're still a liar. Wow, I would say um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off that with a fun fact then based on high school uh, and lying. Um, so mine was uh, I was in calculus class. No idea why was I in calculus class. Didn't need it. Never used it. I don't calculate. Calculate. Why I ever um, took it? But so I, did not take it. I had already been accepted to the University of Minnesota. So this is like senior year spring semester. So I'm like checked out anyway. But I'm in calculus class with Janet Wardell was the teacher. And she, she, I mean, we had a good relationship, but I was also a pill, you know, of course, classic young dude. And uh, so I was kind of annoying. And one day I like had pushed her over the edge. And so it's like late in the day. She's like, go to the, 
just go to the office. I'm sending you down to the office, go to the office. And I'm like, okay. And so I leave, but it's like, again, I'm, I'm accepted to a university. I'm a little over high school. I'm not, what am I going to do? Go to the office? I just drove home. And then I came back for football practice or whatever it was. Cause it was like, yeah, I'm not going to go. It, it was like self-report. <laughs> I would have been like, Hey, I'm here. Why are you here? Cause I was being an idiot in class. Oh, okay. You're in trouble. <laughs> like, as opposed to, I just left. She never cared. It never got followed up on. And so my advice to you, if you're a high school student, listen to this is don't do what I, no, all right, I won't give terrible advice, but you can fill in the blanks on what you could The, the advice is do. Honor Jesus. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. As to a mom of former high school students, or wait, from a mom of former high school, just follow Jesus. Just mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, I'm not going to talk about my high school lying. I am going to talk about a time <laughs> that I was in London. Uh, my kids and my husband and I all went to London when the kids were teenagers and one of the things that we saw when we were in London was Tower Bridge. So it's like, it's the one you, when you picture a Think bridge in London, London, it's the big blue and white one that you see. And we were walking over to it, you know, walking up to it and we get to it and there's kind of a line and you can see this line is feeding into a, a, a kind of a, a small, all glass revolving door. So it was glass and there were no like, like in my mind, there were no like real edges on it and it just kept spinning. And the entry point was fairly narrow. And so the line had backed up. So I was busy talking to my kids as, you know, probably talking animatedly with my hands and kind of backing up toward the door while I was talking to my kids. And when it was my turn, my kids are like, mom, your turn. So I spin and I go into the revolving door. And when you enter a revolving door, where do you expect the exit to be? Just can you say where you expect? The door would revolve. And, and about would, 180 yeah, degrees later, you would exit. Caitlin correct? losing it right now. Correct? Like yeah. the, when you enter a revolving door, the exit is on the opposite <laughs> side of the circle. Yep, correct? Makes sense. So I'm walking in, I'm walking in, and uh, I walk in and I push the door and at 180 degrees, I aggressively take a giant step out and I must have been leading with my face because all I hear is doink, that sound of something <laughs> bouncing off of glass. It was my face. <laughs> I hit the glass so hard, I cut my lip open. Oh my gosh. And the worst part of it was... I had to take like a lap of shame around the escalator <laughs> and my kids, my kids were all standing outside of it. Just like could not stand up. They were yeah. laughing so, so hard and I'm like bleeding and maybe left a face print on the glass and I got to go all the way around. And then I enter the lobby where my husband is standing. He can barely stay vertical. <laughs> He's laughing so, so hard. So, so I smashed my face on a glass revolving door in London. So that's amazing. That I'm so is, glad that you told us that yeah. story. <laughs> Have I never told it's you that? Great, oh my god! It fits with Kaylin. Another fun fact we talked about. I can't already. believe I've never told you that. Kaylin loves stories of injury oh, and buffoonery. Not my best moment, but she it was, was my in kids. actual tears for the listener. She was crying, <laughs> laughing. So the best part is that will probably be we we go on we go to like eight countries in Europe for like 17 right. days. That will be the thing my kids That's forever the, remember. Remember when mom smashed your face? So good. <laughs> So good. And that, you know what you needed on that, in that revolving counsel. door? You needed wise counsel. Oh, yeah. So wait, where was the exit? 
it was at 90 degrees. So I, when I passed it, I passed it and had to go all the way around to it. Yeah, it was like you enter and exit very quickly, but I hadn't been watching the people in front of me. And I, with all the natty confidence in the world, and well, you know that yep. noise of something hitting glass? It was like cartoon a cartoon. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great segue, though, into this leading question for this week. Because that often when we abandon wise counsel, we end up walking confidently into doinking our face on the glass, so it to actually speak. actually is right? really good. And so um, the question for this week is, who in my life should I listen to? Who should I listen to? Kaylin, who should I listen to? Um, I think that's a great question because I think we are prone to give more people power in our life than we actually should. And so I, when I thought about this question, I was like, uh, maybe like three to five people. But then I think uh, it's all dependent on like what the question is, what you're contemplating, what decision might be coming up. Um, because I think there's different people that you can go to um, depending on the circumstance. Um, so and like that's like my initial okay. answer. That's funny. It just shows the difference in our kind of a way our brain processes a question. You went for the literal, who should I listen to? And you're like, well, I can't just tell you to listen to your, to your mom, your grandma and your babysitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you were very literal. I went like, what are qualities of someone to whom I should oh, listen? I, guess I have a little more. Of and that. so yeah. I, I started to make a list and maybe if you want to jump in, I'll, I'll make it my way through the list. But um, yeah, we can talk more about the number of people to listen to, but I answered the question by saying like, I, I, I put somebody who's like a gospel friend yeah, or like gospel focused, at least maybe they're not your friend. Maybe your parents are uniquely, or you have a mentor or somebody who is, it's not exactly a friendship relationship, but I said gospel focused, somebody who has the gospel in mind um, because advice is just going to change uh, with a, with a Christ centered lens mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first one. The second one who it's somebody who has your best interest in mind, mm-hmm. um, not their mm-hmm. own self-focus um, that they really want you want the best for you. And they can see outside of their own preference, their own desire for you into what's best for you. Um, and someone then who views you as a responsible adult who is responsible for making their own decisions and actions. It's not somebody who believes they have the power to tell you what to do. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Cause that, when you see that kind of edge in somebody, it's normally not a great um, relational setup. They see you as an adult who's responsible for your own actions and, and behavior. Uh, and then somebody who doesn't make the status of your relationship, hang in the balance based on taking their advice. Mm-hmm. So wow. we all know those yeah. kind of friends who are, um, well, if you don't listen to me, you must not respect me. Therefore, it jeopardizes our relationship. Mm. Um, and then my last one was someone who doesn't believe they are a substitute for a Holy Spirit. So it's like similar to the the mm-hmm. previous two where um, I always, I like often to say, I make a terrible Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, don't look to me like I'm the Holy Spirit. Like I'm going to give you the answer that's going to free you from having to make a choice yourself. Mm-hmm. If you want my advice, I'll give it. Sometimes I don't even give it because I'm afraid it'll have too much power at this point. I used to freely give my advice, um, mm-hmm. too freely and too with too much authority. And so looking back on that, there are times where I can say, oh yeah, I, I violated the, my own rules there. Mm-hmm. I had in mind, mm-hmm. like I thought I had a better handle on the situation than that actual other adult. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not that maybe I don't have a more accurate view. It's just, I can't make myself responsible for their choice. So 
That's good. My my That's answer, so good. who should I listen to, is Wise Counsel. Uh, oh, but we have hey never oh. defined Wise Counsel. We've used it for, now we're into our second season of using the phrase Wise Counsel. So let's together, as a group, define Wise Counsel. And I can kind of get the ball rolling on this. So Wise Counsel, I would say, is counsel... That is wise. Um, and I think that's important Hello. to think about. No, and so I, the, how we would look at that or how I want to frame that, at least to start here, is um, is people that are connected to God and his word, I would put in a wise counsel category. And I would actually, you could even do a spectrum for who you're listening to. Because I wouldn't say we throw out uh, inside advice from those who aren't connected to God and his word. I, I don't think that we're being asked to do that. But I would say... Those who are connected to God, who are understanding his gospel and know what his word is teaching are going to be voices that we would want to be more willing to listen to and hear from because they're going to have a similar perspective and maybe insight that we wouldn't have. So I'd start their connection to God. A second one I had is um, voices with experience and that have built trust with you. And so kind of twofold there to use examples in this relationship, right? I know. Um, or of the three of us here in the LDI staff team, uh, you guys have experience in ministry, experience in life, and we have trust with each other. And so you would be people that I would go to and seek out for wise counsel and ask questions of and, and get insight from. And then a third one, and this kind of relates to that relational idea as well, is um, people that know the real you. So let's say wise counsel looks like connected to God, uh, experience and trust, but then also know the real you because uh, you're going to be able to see things in me that I can't see in myself. And that's where the counsel can really come in. Um, but also where that knowledge and kind of that trust comes in too. So those are, I kind of said a lot there, but what would you guys like to add and, and thoughts you have on wise counsel? I think when I answered the question, that was immediately what I was thinking of. So I refer to the previous bullet points, you know, of, of somebody who has your best interest in mind, somebody who's gospel centered, mm -hmm. um, somebody who doesn't think they're the Holy Spirit. Refer to previous answer. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't add anything you the one I had been thinking about that I hadn't heard yet was do they know you like mm -hmm. do they truly know you and um then but that goes with do they have your best interest in mind too so I would echo everything you've all said great let's get into the quote of the week uh so the quote of the week here this week again we do this segment every week we want to interact with a resource on the topic that we're discussing and so we're discussing wise counsel and kind of with that comes advice giving and some of these other things. And so we've got a quote from Christina Fox, who wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition called The Problem with Good Advice. And so she says, and she's going to use a little scripture here to help us understand too. She says, true wisdom and knowledge cannot be found apart from Christ. Colossians 2.3 tells us that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is wisdom made flesh. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30. She continues, in addition, to giving, in addition, giving advice, no matter how helpful, apart from the truth of Christ, can often encourage a recovering Pharisee to add your suggestion to an already long list of things to do to make life work apart from the grace of Christ. Our idol-producing hearts are quick to take any helpful advice and put all our hope in it. We are quick to make a solution into a savior. 
So just as we get into that quote, what's jumping out to you, Natty? I think you did a sneaky job of doing two quotes in one kind of there because you get the benefit of having to quote Colossians, right? Um, but you also get um, Christina Fox's words, right? So and it it begs some unpacking. So if I look at the top part of the, the, the quote, I, I see that just that idea of Jesus. We need Jesus in everything, right? We need to be, we need to have people in our lives. We need to hear wisdom from Jesus, right? And so just that importance of that. Um, so we need to know what Jesus would want for us. But the problem is we can't always apply that to ourselves. So why would we listen to other people? Um, because we can't always discern that ourselves. Uh, we have a pastor here at Hope Community Church named Drew Zilke, and he recently made a video and in it he said, because when you're deceived, you're deceived. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived, and yet none of us ever like to acknowledge that we're deceived. I've never talked to someone who I thought was deceived, who, who thought they were deceived. And the process of getting me, myself, or that other person to acknowledge that deception is probably one of the hardest processes, processes in the world, right? Like, because we just, we'd rather be wrong than deceived, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and it's hard to be wrong. Um, so, you know, I, I like that. And then um, we have this, the bottom half of the quote, you know, when we talk about Pharisees, right? And if you're kind of new to listening to this kind of genre, the Pharisee is just somebody who was in the, in the time of Jesus, somebody who was just really, they were like a the teacher of the law essentially they knew all the laws of Moses and they lived them out to like the nth degree beyond what the law of Moses actually said so they were like the kind of the keepers of the law and they were great at making rules like down to the tiniest tiniest letter of the law and so we have these idol producing hearts so even out of the law we can produce um idols right uh, we can stick anything in the place of the God, in in the place of God. So we love idols because we can touch them and feel them and control them. So it's really easy to take advice as an idol, right, or the law, which is advice, and replace them for like paying attention to the Holy Spirit and and making a good choice on our own. Mm-hmm. I rambled a lot there. There was a lot of oh, rambling good. thoughts. Sorry. Uh, I just like in regards to the scripture, I loved being reminded that Christ became wisdom to us from God. So if we want wisdom, we should know Christ, um, which is just, it can be convicting because it means, you know, spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, um, engaging in Christian community. And so um, I just, I was like, oh yeah, that is like wisdom doesn't come from this world. Um, and I, as one who can, like, would identify as a recovering Pharisee, like, I love anything that's, like, five best ways to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, oh, tell me what I need to do. And then, like, my problems will be solved. Um, and I know others are prone to do that. And so it then reminds me um, what she's saying and then what the scripture is saying is I want to be mindful of how I am uh like giving advice or talking to others because ultimately I want to be pointing them to Christ. And then it just even made me think about this, uh, the developing imperfect leaders because ultimately our goal goal is to point you all to the Lord and what he's done. Um, This isn't a five 
like five easy ways on how to become a less imperfect leader. Mm. Um, it's about how to see and admit that you aren't the perfect leader and that's okay uh, because we get to serve and seek a God who is perfect, um, who is complete wisdom, which is Jesus. And so um, that's, yeah, what I thought about. That's really good. Yeah, the um, there's like two phrases that I'm, I'm grabbing onto in here, kind of they come out of that idea, which you talked about of like, five steps or that recovering Pharisee idea or that to-do list. And it's like the why of that. Why do we go to that? So she kind of has this phrase, we want to make life work apart from the grace of Christ. And a, a similar idea, she says, we're quick to make a solution into a savior. Because I think the the difficulty here is advice is not bad. Like that's she actually, the article yeah. is right. The problem with good advice, advice is, can be a very good thing, but it's how we're thinking about it, right? If we go to the you know, there's a billion articles in our culture today of like, uh, how do I do this thing? Five hacks, five ways, right? If I make that what's going to kind of save me or get me out of the struggle I'm facing and I cut God out of the picture, what I've really done is created a, another opportunity for self-trust. And I think that's where when we even think about wise counsel, I want to be turning to voices who are actually helping me navigate where I am trusting in self. And need to turn to God. Like I want, I want Natty or Kayla or others to speak in and say, "Don't you see how like that's all about you? Like you're going to be the one that accomplishes that, and you've almost cut God out of the picture. You've made a solution into a savior." Um, and so that's just a question that comes out of that. Then that we can ask ourselves is, "Yeah, am I am I just trying to solve this problem in my power?" And I think that's yeah. When we look for wise counsel. Oftentimes we do want to go to that voice that's just going to give me the right tip to figure out my life. But we all know life is messier than that. And that actually what we need is to not make life work apart from the grace of Christ, but actually to turn to him for grace. Yeah, we can, solutions offer something that we can almost touch, taste, hold, not taste. That's weird. I can taste that solution. Um, They're tangible, right? Mm -hmm. There's something that we can control. And so solutions offer us a false sense of control that like, like, opening our hands to the, you know, the all-powerful God of the universe, which is the, the ultimate solution, mm-hmm. right? But it, it, we can't touch and hold, and we certainly can't control God, right? And so solutions offer this false sense of control that we so desperately think we need because we mm-hmm. just want to feel safe. And, mm-hmm. and it's ironic because we know, like, theologically, that safety is found through God, through Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. We're secure and loved, and welcomed in through Jesus, um, but we still grab at other things. And, you know, we just are our little idle factories of mm-hmm. our hearts are little idle factories, right? Mm-hmm. So. so let's think about then growing together and let's make this a little more practical. Again, the goal of this podcast is to help imperfect leaders to grow. And so keeping in mind, this is a journey. There's not going to be necessarily perfect fit, right answers. What are some practical ways that an imperfect leader can help uh, people uh, can help uh, discern who to consider as trusted voices. So I think Natty and I are going to have our answers flipped. Okay. Compa- like oh, here we go. from the first question. Okay, great. So the way that I answered this question was, uh, are they following Christ? Mm. Do that. Do oh, you sure. trust them? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they know you? Um, just like questions like that is like, would, do you want them to give advice or, mm. um, counsel to you in this situation. Um, I think it's helpful too to have people who aren't in the same stage of life because as Paul said earlier, 
based on experience or things that they might have been through. Like they can offer viewpoints that people your age might not uh, have yet to experience. And so I think they're, those are some of the things that I guess I think through when thinking about advice. Um, the growing together part, like what's a practical thing? That's what I think of like, what's a practical thing we can apply? So I did the exact, <laughs> exact opposite. <laughs> I've worked with interns for a long time now. And one of the things that kind of became apparent to me early on is typically when people are about to make a choice, they imagine like three to five people's reaction to their choice mm. and they gauge their choice based on what reactions they want to deal with. Okay. So, so imagine you're 24, 23 years old, you're a recent college graduate and you want to do an unpaid internship where you have to raise support. Just say, for example, hypothetically, you, hypothetically, you have to do support raising to do an internship. So you're about to incur your college debt, right? Mm -hmm. And your loan payment's going to kick in and maybe your car's about to break down because you've got a hand-me-down car and you're going to, you're going to say like, okay, I'm choosing to do this internship. And then just close your eyes and imagine the first three to five people you would have thought of mm -hmm. during that time. It's, it's probably your parents, right? For a lot of people, for most people, it's their parents and parents really want their kids to be secure. So unless their parents are like deeply rooted in missions or something like that, most parents are going to be like, uh, bad idea. Get, out of your mind. get a job. Yeah. Right. Pay right? Those bills. We sent you to college so you could get a job. Mm -hmm. Right. So you could make money, not so you could do an unpaid internship, work for this church for free, which is, you know, kind of how it can be looked at. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so no, go get a job is sort of the response. Or maybe it's a coach or it's a friend. Oh, my friends are going to judge me because I got this business degree and now I'm not going into a high paying, high power job. People are going to look at me like I don't have the, the, the chutzpah to do it mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Or it's the mean girl from high school who teased you. Mm -hmm. Um, or it's your elementary school bully or a former boss who said you couldn't cut it or mm -hmm. something like that. You're going to have distinct pictures of people mm -hmm. in your head. And instead of making a wise choice, you're going to gauge your choice based on their reaction to your choice. Right. And so really take stock of whose head, like face or whose response is popping into your mind as you make a decision. Um, because that face might not be the face of the voice that you should consider in this case. Right. Mm -hmm. They might be people who love you. Like parents love their kids. You know, you don't meet parents who don't love their kids. Um, but it doesn't mean they're always showing the most wisdom with response to their children's ability to, their adult children's ability to make decisions for themselves. And so um, it can be really tricky because do they love me? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do they have, they have my best interest in mind? Yes. In the sense that they want what's good for you in the safest possible way, mm -hmm. typically. And maybe safe isn't always um, like just financially safe isn't always the way to play it. Right. Mm -hmm. So. That's really good. I think about like times that that's been the case for me. It, uh, it, doing an internship would be probably one of those where it didn't seem like for, for those on the outside, maybe the choice they would advise me to. And yet it was clear that was God, God was calling to and others in life were pointing to that saw it more clearly. I kind of went, I guess I didn't go very practical. It's a little more, uh, 30,000 foot view, I, but I do have one practical that I thought of what you guys were, um, talking and I was also listening intently, um, was, uh, was, uh, ask people, look around you 
and look at people who are demonstrating a few things, care for you, humility in their life, faith in Jesus, and an expertise of some kind, and then ask them for counsel. Um, And I think that's the part that's the hardest is in our culture, individualistic culture, we're taught that to ask for help is weakness. Mm. And I think if we really are honest, asking for help is a sign of strength. Uh, It's a sign of I'm confident enough in who I am in Christ uh, and that I don't need to um, try and just solve things on my own. I can actually ask for help and I can ask people who are further along than me, whatever area it might be, whether it's their teaching ability, they know they've done more than you or they just have had more experience than you or they're older than you or you name it or they're your peer but they know something you might not know, um, ask them. But then I have this like uh, another possible profoundness alert. I don't know. We're going to find out. Wise counsel. <laughs> listen to voices who, I've got three things here. Listen to, listen to voices who make God bigger, the gospel more real, and you more equipped to face your problems. Hmm. So find voices who make God bigger, the gospel more real, and you more equipped to face I guess the challenges of life as a follower of Jesus and as a person in the world, uh, that would be look for them and then, and then ask them for advice and and guidance. Um, and so, yeah, that'd be the, the kind of the growing together. It's always, I always stay 30,000 feet when I try to be practical. It's I'm so (laughs) not good at like boots on the ground thinking. I do like Uh, that, that teach a a person to fish kind of analogy there though. I didn't even think of that. Like, yeah, you really do want somebody you don't want somebody who gives you, well, somebody might have a direct answer, but they're walking you through their thinking in a way that's mm-hmm. going to help you um, expand your own thinking to have principles to make a good decision later mm-hmm. on. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do as parents, right? Um, mm-hmm. I could tell my kid how to cut their hair, but we never did <laughs> because we wanted them to feel autonomous in making decisions and then feeling the consequence of making that decision. Yeah. So you get a weird haircut. People are going to notice and you're going to get attention whether you like it or not. And you're going to see if you like attention for your haircut or not. Right. And that's just a really good way to learn. Right. So I know you're going to want to dictate how your kids cut oh, their hair, aren't you? Sure. That's going to be tough for you. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. All right. So let's move to one takeaway. We are all imperfect leaders in this room. And so we are looking always to grab something from the conversation. So what is one thing, Kaylin, that you are taking away from this conversation of, of trusted voices, wise counsel for your own life? Um, I like I've heard Natty's advice before of like, who are the three to five people that come to mind? And so I think still asking that question, like mm-hmm. when we are facing, I mean, especially like my husband and I, when we're facing bigger decisions of like a house or um, where to send our kids to school, like, I don't know, choices like that. Who are who am I thinking about? who comes to mind when we're making those decisions and do they actually matter? Yeah. Am I worried about disappointing someone who's really has no part in this decision or for whom I shouldn't be making, I should be making the best decisions for my family and my kids not to please so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. I think Paul, I'm going to hearken back to the, um, are we helping someone else to grow? Right. I, Mm -hmm. I missed that on my list and I would totally add it. Are we helping someone else to grow in the way that we're offering wise counsel or are we seeking out people who are helping us to grow, um, who show confidence in us, um, 
and and want us to learn to be more mature followers of Christ who can someday do what they're doing and offer wise counsel mm-hmm. in the same situation again because we've learned and grown. That's good. I mine was um, this goes back to my own thing of ask for help. I'm going to take my own advice. I, well, it's that, yeah. Cuz when I'm um, deceived, I'm deceived. I would, yeah, when I'm deceived, I'm deceived and I'm going to so I'm going to listen to me and I'm going to say to me, "Hey me, uh, ask for help." But no, I really I think about there's been so many times in um life kind of especially coming into LDI first as an intern and now working in ministry where I've like been running with my head or running my head into the wall, trying to fix a problem or solve some challenge. And it's like, there's someone right down the hall. I could just go and say, Hey, could you help me think about this? Could you help me? You know? And so just when we're thinking wise counsel, actually for me, just remembering that there, it is around and I can find it and ask people and actually in that way, make my life a lot more simple and clear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so that'd be another one to consider. Well, that wraps up our conversation for today, but we want to keep connecting with you. So thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you like what you heard, be sure to follow our show and leave a review. We love connecting with our listeners. So if you have questions, comments, or topic ideas, please email us LDI at HopeCC.com. LDI is a ministry of Hope Community Church based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We seek to develop leaders in their biblical thinking, Christ-like character, and ministry skills for service both inside and outside the church. We do this through internships, classes, seminars, and retreats. If you're interested in learning more about our internships or other opportunities, visit ldi.hopecc.com or email ldi.hopecc.com. Have a great week.